Sometimes in tragedy, we find our life's purpose. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're going to cover the case of Karen Garcia and Salvatore Garcia Vaca while I drink my vodka and fruit punch meal. So yeah, water. (laughs) Don't judge me. I have food coloring. Karen Garcia, age 21, was an outgoing and caring person. She was a hard worker. She worked at Granzilla's Deli in Calusa County, California. She was a loving mother to her two-year-old daughter, Aviana Garcia, who she shared with Salvatore. He was 24, and they had been dating for about nine years, but they did recently split. On January 7th, 2018... Karen's life would change. Her sister Jessica Garcia, age 19, and four of their friends, 21-year-old Raquel Lopez Valencia, 25-year-old Christian Lopez Cambrian, 19-year-old Yanith Lopez, and 23-year-old Kristen Paez. They were all killed in a car accident due to a wrong way driver. They were driving back from a Denny's restaurant and they were hit. Raquel and Christian were just recently married. Yanith was Christian's younger sister and Christian and Jessica were engaged to be married. The wrong way driver crashed head on into the victim's vehicle around 12.30 a.m. on Interstate 5 near the small town of Yolo near Woodland. The five victims were in a 2013 Dodge on northbound I-5 when the driver in a 2013 Chevrolet going southbound in a northbound lane of I-5 crashed into them. The wrong way driver also died in the crash. She was later identified as 38-year-old Michelle Doxy from Sacramento. When the vehicles crashed, they both caught on fire and all six people died instantly. Karen took this very hard. You know, her and her sister were very close. And she was getting ready to get married. So this was an exciting time. They're helping her plan the wedding. So much is going on. And then this happens. So on January 8th, she told her best friend, Linda Quintero, that she decided she wanted to get out of the house, go clear her head, and she was going to go shopping. Shopping clears my head too. (laughs) I get it. She said she just wanted to get out of the house by herself, and she was either going to go to Roseville or Vacayville, if I'm saying that correctly. She was stressed out about needing to find a burial plot for her sister, and she was also the one who had to tell her mom of her sister's passing. So that was a lot of emotional weight that was on her. She was going through a lot of different emotions. She was also in the midst of moving back to her hometown, which is Williams. Around noon, she hopped in her blue Honda Accord and off she goes. Linda was texting with her around five that day and checking on her, seeing as she was still shopping. And she said that she was. It wasn't until later on that evening that people started to wonder if there was something wrong. Karen never showed up for the vigil of her sister and that was at 8 p.m. So they were concerned. They knew that she wanted to be there. The family called Linda to see if she knew where Karen was and she said the last time that she had talked to her that 
she was out shopping. Jot her memory though, she remembered that Karen left a purse in her house because they all live in the same apartment complex. It was like a real small one. I believe it was like four and two upstairs, two downstairs. So they were very close. She said she was gonna go back to the house and she was gonna look in the purse to see if it was still there or what was in it. And when she looked in it, it was kind of alarming because in there was her driver's license, cash, a bank card, and she only had one. Other neighbors saw her leaving the house. They said that she was wearing a long black sleeve dress and then she had on a white North Face jacket when she left the apartment. Family was kind of thinking, you know, maybe it's just too much for her right now. Maybe she can't deal with this. Maybe she just needs time to grieve. But on Tuesday, when she didn't show up for her shift at the deli, people knew something was wrong. That just, that wasn't her. She was always at work. And they were, honestly, I think they were worried about her well-being. Like, is she gonna hurt herself? Is she okay? Does she need to talk to somebody? Where is she? Her friends track her phone and the ping showed that it was in Marysville. So they contact the police there and they ask them if they can be on the lookout for her or her car. Friends and family, they also start going to the locations that she said that she was going to go to for shopping. But nothing came out of it. They never found the car. They never found her. They didn't find anyone who had seen her. Johnny Quintero, who's Linda's husband, he had a key to her apartment. So he decided, all right, I'm going to go in there. I got to see what's going on. And when he did, he found a large red stain on the carpet in her bedroom. And that's when he called the police. Police come. They look at the scene. They do believe there was some kind of foul play. So they now have the police department in Williams, Calusa, and Marysville all working together to try to help find Karen or her blue Honda. You know, she's got a two-year-old daughter. Like, they know she would not just leave like that. They know something's wrong. They just, they don't know what. Of course, police, they need to go and talk to Salvador, and he states that he's worried too, that this is not like her. He tells them that she was in the process of moving back to her hometown and that she was staying at the Riverside Inn while she was going back and forth. He told them that their daughter was her number one priority. She never would just take off and leave her. The only thing he really had to offer to police was that she was starting to date. Thought, you know, maybe they need to look into her new love interest. January 14th, 2018, five days after the search was initiated for her car, it was finally found. It was found in a parking lot of a Marshalls and a CVS in Woodland. When they look inside, they do find Karen's dead body inside the car. Autopsy showed that she died from blunt force trauma to the head. Her poor family, her poor mother. Could you imagine? No. (laughs) The answer is no. She had to bury two daughters about two weeks apart. That's tough, man. That's that's tough. I, I don't wish something like that on anybody and to think how horrible that is. And you know, that kind of brings me back to my last episode when I said, you know, everything happens for a reason. We just don't know what. What the hell is this reason? Can somebody please tell me? Police decide that they need to go back and start talking to people again, you know? They they found her car. They found her body. They need more answers. Now it was, where is she? Well, now they know. So now it's, how did she get here? When they go to Sal's house to talk to him again, they realize he left town. 
So they decide, let's do a little digging on Sal. And when they pull him up, they see that there are actually past police records. And the last one was two weeks prior to her going missing. She called 911 for domestic abuse. And he was even charged that time with misdemeanor domestic violence. So now they know there's a history there. So now he's definitely under a microscope. But now, where is he? I mean, they now have their one and only person of interest interest, but now they need to find him. When they speak to his cousin, Alexander Vaca, he told police that Sal called him on January 8th and asked him for a ride. He was picked up in a parking lot in the woodland, right across the street from where her car was found. He also told police that when he got in the car, he had asked him to go in his phone and delete all calls and text messages that they had exchanged for that evening but he never told him why he was in Woodland to begin with. And I guess the cousin didn't ask, but it appeared that he had left town before everything was found. So he must've known it was coming up. They started to offer rewards and it got up to $10,000. If anyone had any information that could lead them to him. They did find on January 19th, a 2011 Toyota Sienna van was stolen. And they believe that Sal took that so he would be able to flee the area. So now they also have a bolo out for the van. October 15, 2018, they find the stolen van in Mexico. So now they're like, okay, it's, he's gotta be here. Gotta be here somewhere. August 4th, 2019, after a year and a half manhunt, Salvatore was finally found in Guadalajara, Mexico. And he was brought back to the U.S. by U.S. Marshals to Calusa County. He was charged with murder and domestic violence for the charge that he had in 2017. He pled not guilty on both charges. January 16th, 2020, he appeared for his preliminary hearing. You know, they have to tell the judge everything they have on him so they can show probable cause. The guy's guilty, you know? They, they have to show something, though. But there was blood on her carpet. There was blood on the walls, on her dresser. Blood even made it to her lawn room and there were drag marks which had the same decomposed granite that was found in Karen's shoe when she was found in her car. They also had his cell phone pings that put him in Woodland area around 7 p.m. on January 8th, 2018. I think he saw the writing on the wall and on November 17th, 2020, he decided that he was just going to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter and he was sentenced to 25 years in prison on June 6, 2021. It took three years for Karen to get the justice that she deserved, but her family does not want her death just to be another domestic battery case. So they are working very hard on opening up Karen's house, which would be the first domestic violence shelter in Calusa County. They are working for donations to open up this center. So I did take down the phone number in case anybody wanted to donate to this cause. It's 559 732 5941 and I uh the person to contact is Jennifer Lopez don't get too excited though I'm pretty sure it's not her (laughs) you may be a little disappointed when people saw him in court they said that it was really hard to look at him because he had changed so much they didn't recognize him the only thing they recognized was his haircut and his eyebrows that it just made them feel really uneasy 
to see him. You know, and it's a shame. She has a daughter, two-year-old, who's never going to get to know her mother. And now you have no father as well. Nobody ever wins in these cases. You know who suffers the most? The children. If you are also dealing with domestic abuse, please Google shelters. There are so many. I'm in Pinellas County, Florida, and there's at least seven or eight around here. Google domestic violence shelters. Tell a friend, tell anybody. People are there and they will help you. I wanted to give a shout out for Amazingly Blessed just for commenting on episodes. I really appreciate the interaction, you guys. Keep it up. Love to know what you think, good or bad. It's okay. Don't forget all the ways that you can listen. And while you're there, you can like, follow, subscribe, or give that five-star rating. If you'd like to stay more in tune with the show, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I post things throughout the week. Some are funny crime stories. Some are just random shit. You can also listen to the episodes on crimeovercocktails.com. While you're there, you can check out the merch. And if you would like to help support the show, you can go to the Patreon page. Also, word of mouth. Word of mouth is great. Spread the word about the podcast. This is good. Other ways you can also help is if you would like to use the Cash App instead with money sign Crime Over Cocktails or PayPal, Crime Over Cocktails with two S's at gmail.com. We'll talk crime another time. Bye, guys.